0: Hello again, and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where we take a film out of the wonderful book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. And I am Ian Woodington. And uh, before we get to another first from a very well-known
1: director, we'll give some recommendations for the week. Ian, what do you got? I have got something which is completely unrelated to the film that we were going to talk about in the meat of the episode. I love it. Uh, Lady Macbeth. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of this, or does, I, I, it, does it ring a bell? I don't know. I okay. think it might. So it's on, as of this recording, it's on HBO. Okay. Or HBO Now, if you've got the, the streaming service. Sure. So a lot of people kind of balked at the idea of calling it Lady Macbeth, because they feel, oh, it's got nothing to do with Shakespeare, it's got nothing to do with the Scottish play, this, that, and the other, but... As, as the movie sat, I kind of I started to realize why it's called that. You know, I started to f- f- see and feel those kind of uh, the, the connective tissue between who this main character is and who Lady Macbeth was and what their motivations for doing what they did were. Sure. I think it's a very apt title. Anyway, so Lady Macbeth is set uh, in the 1860s uh, in the countryside of, of England. Uh, this young 17 year old girl has been bought and sold to a very wealthy family and she is supposed to produce an heir for them with the the son the oldest son he is not the most loving of husbands you get the feeling that he can't really get it up with her uh so she's not being fulfilled she's not fulfilling the purpose for why she is there in yeah. the coldest and most callous sort of way of describing things uh, anyway he ends up the the father-in-law great performance from him And uh, so the the father-in-law and the son, they have to leave because of an an explosion, an accident at uh, their factory. And she's left there alone for an indefinite period and, of course, starts having an affair with one of the stable boys, which is a very passionate, very intense affair. And things slowly start to get out of hand. And, of course, murders have to happen. Anybody... Who has children, young children? They're going to be very disturbed by this film because it goes to some very dark places. In fact, Liz got up and left the room at the end because she just couldn't watch the ending. Oh, well, there you go. So there, that's a interesting recommendation. And the the lead actress uh, Florence Pugh. Yeah. I think her name is. Yeah. I, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. It's P U G H. Yeah. Yep. Um. So I'm probably mispronouncing last name. She looks like she's about to be an up-and-comer okay she's got a a new film directed by uh, Stephen merchant coming out called fighting with my family which looks fairly interesting i'm not into wrestling at all but the movie looks the the premise looks interesting okay i mean i think she's gonna do very well based on just this one film because she is electrifying in it and i can't i i saw it i don't know 10 days ago and it's still rattling around in here i can't get this film out of my head it is so good so, that so disturbing it
0: le- well that kind of okay that kind of go- leads into the one I want to recommend okay. um, but for, before I do that I just want to say quickly I did watch uh, A Field in England based off of your recommendation and that's also right. me seeing Kill List uh, and I will sum it up in saying I didn't like it did not like A Field in England whatsoever oh um, I'm sorry So, oh no dude I would have watched it anyway because I like yeah. Kill List so much yeah. um, but that's not what I'm talking about you're, on the, talking, you're on the
1: Ben Wheatley train now
0: yeah, we'll see yeah because now I'm curious to see what else like how different his other stuff is yeah. so I literally watched this movie last night, and so I'm really still like in the how do I feel about this movie? And uh, I watched it because a it's on Netflix, and b it's sort of an Oscar contender movie. And last night we watched Roma. Have you seen Roma yet?
1: Uh, it's very high up on my to see list.
0: So it's Alfonso Cuarón, who, if you know him, Children of Men and Gravity and uh, Prisoner of Azkaban are the three that I think he is probably most known for. Also, yeah. my favorite actually is Mamatambe, and is actually my favorite Cuarón movie. And so this movie, in a non-ridiculing sense, is not about anything. There's no not a huge story going on. Basically, you follow Cleo, who is this maid for this family in Mexico. The family that she she serves is going through their own sort of family crisis. That looks like the the mom and the dad of this family are are splitting up, and that's its own thing. And oh, then, so the
1: one thing I didn't nail down from the trailer is it a period piece? Is this set in it, the past? Is, is, it is. is it modern day? Yeah, no, it's a period piece. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's not. It's like '70s or something, yes. isn't it? Yep, yeah, it is.
0: Essentially, you follow Cleo. You kind of you see what she does. You see her life, and I don't think this is giving anything away, but I will stop very short of going much further than saying that um, she becomes pregnant, and that's something that she has to deal with because a she's not married, and b you know she's a maid, and how is that all going to work out? I am intentionally not going to delve much further into the movie because a, there's not a there's just not a whole lot more to say about it in terms of plot. It's very much a slice of life kind of movie. But b, there is, and if you've seen the movie, there was a very very intense eight minutes or so, kind of towards the end, the sort of the two thirds mark, where it's really tough watch and you mentioned the thing about if you have kids it's a really tough watch and I, same with this are we
1: dipping into a few episodes well more than a few episodes back now we did Victoria so are we dipping kind of into that kind no, of territory no even, wait, even further Okay, even further so this sounds like it's going more into my Lady Macbeth territory maybe I, I don't know yeah. but
0: but without giving anything away um, here's the thing it's like 215 it's black and white it's in subtitles and it's not the easiest movie to, to just say go watch this and I don't even think I don't think it's even a great movie. But what I appreciate about the movie is that it's a movie about a Mexican maid. And 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 not a Mexican maid who cures cancer or not a Mexican maid who saves the lives of a thousand people. Like, it really is. It's a Mexican maid and it's her life. And I think what I most appreci- appreciate about this movie is that it was made at all. With this production level, with Cronen's direction... I mean he did everything. I don't I mean he he wrote it, he directed it, he produced it. I believe he was the editor and the cinematographer on this movie. He this was a passion project in every sense. Well, that's always exciting. And it is a well-made movie. But I also think it's a divisive movie, not just because of this very intense scene, but also because it's it's a black and white foreign film. And so I don't know how many people I'll get to bite on this movie and and actually watch it. I think what I'll say is I don't regret watching it, and I'm glad it's made. It's a tough sell, yeah, but it's on Netflix,
1: and there's no reason to not watch it. So, do you think it's going to be a serious contender here? in the in, uh, when is it? It's going to be a couple, couple of weeks. Couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Having not seen enough of the other ones to really say, in terms of like looking at the like track record, I no. still think it's pretty much between a Stars Born and Green Book, but I think Roma could be that one that kind of. It could be the shape this, of water. The stick. Well, the stigma is 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 not just that it's a foreign film, but it's also it's a Netflix movie, which I think it's like, can Hollywood accept a Netflix movie as winning yeah. this picture? Which yeah. is stupid. But anyway, so Roma is my it is my recommendation, but I, I honestly don't expect
1: a lot of people to bite. Well, we'll we'll see if the uh, the Academy changes that if it yeah. gets a ton of a, a ton of attention. Exactly. But speaking of Academy attention.
0: We'll talk. We're going to talk about a movie today that definitely got some Academy attention, and definitely got uh, definitely got a lot of attention. Anyway, and uh, we're we're tackling our first uh, Spielberg movie today, and it sounds like to Ian's, I'll say Ian's excitement, we're getting one out of the way early on, and it it was it was tough. The movie that we are talking about today is E.T. the Extraterrestrial, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Melissa Matheson, but also pretty much between Matheson and Spielberg. Right. The main cast, uh, we have Henry Thomas as young Elliot, Drew Barrymore as Gertie, Robert McNaughton as Michael, and that's those are the, the siblings. And then the only other two I wrote down was Dee Wallace, who was the mom. And uh, Peter Coyote, who is
1: just referenced as Keys. Yeah. Well, he's he's like the, other than the mom, he's the one sort of empathetic adult. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a cut. Harrison Ford was in this
0: movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did, did, you, d- did,
1: did you watch the deleted scene? No, or, I didn't actually. Okay. So there's a very poor quality. Uh, Not color corrected and everything. Yeah, no, yeah. it's <laughs> really. Yeah. No. There's uh. There's still guns in it instead of walkie-talkies. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, god. Don't, I don't even want to talk about that. We'll get to that. Um, so other films by Spielberg in the book. And and this might be a conversation. This might be a conversation we have because here are the other films of his in the book. Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Color Purple, Schindler's List, Jurassic Park, Saving Private Ryan, and Lincoln. And then obviously E.T., which we're talking
1: about today. The most egregious problem with that list is Munich not being in there. Munich is hands down the most important piece of film that that Spielberg has made. I more and this this is my big controversial opinion that I I spar with people on. I think it's a more important film than Schindler's list. Uh, I think it's I think that's one of those that depends on who you ask.
0: Yeah, I think Schindler's just has the history and the traction. Not, I don't mean history of of World War II and and Nazis and concentration yeah. camps. I just mean, you know, it won eight Academy Awards. It was a huge big deal when it came out. And Munich was nominated if, for five, and I don't it didn't it got win anything. any. It yeah. didn't win any. Yeah, and not that that's what matters when no. you make when you make no. movies, but it definitely seemed to slide more under the radar. I will say, here's what here's what I'll say. I think Spielberg's serious movies are better than his popcorn movies. Yes. And I know a lot of people out there who hold Jaws up on a pedestal and Raiders up on a pedestal and Jurassic Park up on a pedestal. And I'm not here to say those movies are bad because I enjoy those movies. But I would take
1: Munich, Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List over any of those movies. And well, and close. Enc- I am an absolute sucker for close encounters, as you'll discover as and, we go through this episode. And close encounters really kind of bridges that gap between the two of being a popcorn well, flick I, and a serious. Flick. I would argue that Jaws does as well. I I don't.
0: No. No. I don't. I don't see Jaws but as a is serious. It, is, it, is it
1: because it's got the stigma of being the birth? That is the original blockbuster. I know.
0: I know that that's there. But even even just watching it as it is, it, it's not scary enough to be a horror movie, to my opinion. Especially because the second half of the movie is like an adventure flick of chasing the shark. Yeah. And again, I don't care that it's two different movies, because I feel like it is. And that's that's fine yeah. with me. I, I kind of like that. But I think that's also what sells it as this, you know, it's going to get people
1: in because it's scary. But if you like adventure movies, it's going to get you there, too. Yeah. So, you know. But it's, it's the performances for me that elevate it above any of that other garbage. Like, sure. Robert Shaw is great in, in Jaws is as good as anything in Schindler's and List and
0: again and it, sorry I and, and again that's not to denigrate those movies because I, I love I actually really love Harrison Ford in Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah I think and I think I think Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern in Jurassic Park are all great it's I'm not knocking those no. movies I just think that there's a time and a place for them and I think in terms of it's almost the definition between what what's a movie and what's a film. And I know that's a that's an obscure bullshit yeah, conversation yeah. to have. But in my in my opinion, Jaws, Raiders, E. T., Jurassic Park, movies, Schindler's List, Munich, Saving Private Ryan, film. Yeah, and that's dumb. And come at me, I don't care. But like, there are different. And, I can't disagree. And 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 I,
1: again, sorry, we're talking about E. T. But Ron well, we're on Spielberg. we're talking about yeah. his filmography in general. Is there, So I feel like Munich is missing from that list. I, you know what? I, is there something that you feel is missing? It's tough because I've only seen Munich once, and I don't get me
0: wrong. I like Munich, but one that I've—if you say Hook, I'm walking it's out not of this hook. room. It's not Hook. It's Catch Me If You Can.
1: It is really good.
0: It's so good. I've seen and it. I've seen it recently, it's and it's so
1: rewatchable. It, it, no, it's as good as the first time I saw it. Man, it's so good. Yeah. And and again, and the fact that he made it in the same year as Minority Report. Exactly. I yeah, yeah. wouldn't honestly. I wouldn't bat an eye if Minority Report was in the book as well. Minority Report's great. It is it is one of the great modern sci-fi films. Yeah. It really is. Uh, of certainly of, of this century so far anyway. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going out of my way to see Ready Player 1 anytime soon, but I'll definitely put Minority Report on again. It's yeah, again again, again totally rewatchable. And yeah. especially now that it kind of tackles
0: the the whole stuff about police and and how far we go. Yeah. At, you know, it, I think it even registers more now oh, than it did back in 2002. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie was up for a bunch of Academy Awards, and we'll just say that score it, it took score and all the technical awards. It took sound, sound effects editing, and visual effects. Up for best picture, director, uh, original screenplay, cinematography, and editing. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that it lost all of those to Gandhi. Yeah, I was gonna. That was the next thing I was gonna say, which I'm totally fine with. See, I don't. I've only seen Gandhi once, and I was way too young to actually know if I liked it or not. Oh, so okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'll, I will say that I have no opinion on Gandhi because. I watched it when I was like 16, okay. and I don't. It
1: it's it's a blur. I well, know it starts with him a... getting shot, yeah.
0: and that's about that's about no, as that's much a... as I remember of that movie.
1: No, maybe we need to cue Gandhi up then. Yeah, we we'll get it going. Yeah. Um,
0: although I do love the, um, I, the Attenborough quote when he won. I think he. I'm not sure if he won for director or picture. I mean, I know he won. I know that well, he won both. He won both. But when he was up there. He he actually said like, not only did I think E.T. was gonna win. But I think E. T. was a far superior film, and whether or not he believed it or not, I do appreciate that he
1: the, not, the humility. Yes, there. yes, yes. yes. Yeah. and and
0: yeah. Again, that like, he probably wasn't making Gandhi to 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 win things. He just wanted to make a movie, and
1: yeah, yeah. So while we're on awards, if I can, I the so the Academy Awards, what it what it won and what it lost. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Yeah. For me, I mean, we'll delve into the score. Remind me when we get there to, to talk about the score. Okay. But uh, the BAFTAs are the ones that are really interesting to me. Yeah. So it only won one, which is, I guess I'll just talk it about won it. One score. I really don't like John Williams' score in this film. Really? And I love John Williams. I, I, who doesn't love, how can you not love John Williams? He's created the most iconic scores in film history. Yeah. But the problem that I have is I find that I am being so hypercritical of scores oh, okay. in in my old age. I thought you uh, that I'm starting to see, and especially when you watch a lot of films like in sequence, say if you were to sit down and watch the films that John Williams composed in, like, in a sequence, say starting with Jaws yeah. and leading up through, I don't know, the end of the 80s or up to Hook even. Sure. Say, You start to see where people repeat themselves or where they recycle something, and oh. there is so much Empire Strikes Back in oh, this Oh, thank form. you. No, no, I wrote that down There's too. an absolute ton the, of it.
0: The, the bad guys theme in this it's, is so close to the imperial march oh yeah it's right it, it up is there. no, no and there's
1: I, a lot of stuff like i hear a lot of like the themes from hoth when they're like the the battle at the base i hear a lot of that as well it's just so it for me it it kind know, of makes so, it for it et loses some identity oh sure in its score because of that i also i also
0: think i i honestly think that the people who recognize the score it's it's
1: the like the the theme that plays when like when yeah. they take off on the bike right yeah. like it's it's the it's the big rising moment at yeah. the end of the film which I hate although I, that that score is way too big for a moment that important
0: so E T is referenced in one of my favorite books about theater it's called it's from a book called the director prepares I won't delve into why I like the book so much but it talks about how music and other other forms of media can be very emotionally manipulative and they list John Williams' score for E T as that. And how it's one of those scores. I I also call it the the lost Michael Giacchino score, where it's really good at if you are confused as to what to be feeling right now, just listen to the music. Yeah. This is going to tell you exactly how you should feel. Which at times you can it, it can be so good when you don't even realize that that's what it's doing. Yeah. Which is why I also sometimes like the very the European way that movies
1: over there don't always have scores yeah. if at all. Well, that was the other thing, if I can reference back Please to the, the recommendation that I made at the beginning of the episode. Lady Macbeth has, I think, three pieces of music in the whole film, and I didn't realize that there was no music until the very end. Yeah. And same with, I think, No Country for Old Men blew me away. I was like, did, did I just th- sit through a movie with no music? Yeah. Like, and I didn't even notice. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah it Was because No Country is like a soundscape. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And Lady, like I said, Lady Macbeth only has, for me, the only piece that stood out was like the very end. Like, sure. The, the very end piece of the film. But yeah, no, anyway, I this score, it's too much. It's too big. It's too loud. It's too fast. It's too all at once. Yeah, it doesn't... Well, it, the Globes also recognized it for I know, score. I know, I um, know. And it's... It it's, didn't
0: it did not win... Music, the LA uh, Film Critics nominated it, but it didn't win. It but, was
1: National Board of Review Top 10, a bunch of other stuff. But here's what's interesting about the BAFTAs to me. Yeah. So everything it lost at the Academy Awards, it lost to Gandhi. Yeah. Now, I was blown away by what it lost to because I when I'm looking at nominations and wins and things like that I want to know okay well what did they feel was better mm-hmm. so it was nominated for 12 things at the bafta and if you'll indulge me I'll go down the list
0: yeah I got them all here too so
1: yeah go it ahead. lost cinematography and production design to blade runner directing film and it was nominated for two outstanding newcomer awards and lost both of those to gandhi as well as the other two i just mentioned Mm -hmm. uh missing picked up editing and screenplay quest for fire picked up makeup pink floyd the wall picked up sound and poltergeist which was kind of developed in tandem with et yeah took the special visual effects and that to me it it kind of smacks of the way that the academy will really try to elevate just a handless one or two movies Whereas you take a look at, at, at the Golden Globes or the BAFTAs, something that is a little more, you know, the world of cinema-minded in the way that they try and, you know, sort of spread that love around a little bit. I thought this was the perfect example of I'll that. I'll give you the BAFTAs. The Globes are a joke. <laughs> Sorry. Really, really quickly, because
0: I want to – because I'm, I'm riding this train with you. So uh, first, uh, just say that it is it is currently number 24 on the AFI Top 100. used to be 25 on the 97 list.
1: And, uh, hey, Ian, is this film, was this film inducted into the National Film Registry? I believe it was in 1994. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was probably right around the time I saw it for the first time, I would think.
0: I didn't see this movie until I was in high school.
1: Wow. It never, it wasn't a family film. Uh, yeah. And it just, I finally just w- watched it. Yeah, I saw it as a kid once and I've never seen it again. So, I mean, there's been a huge gap. Oh,
0: so is this your second time watching it? This is only my second oh, time. Oh, same here. It. Yeah, yeah, same here. So, we, we, sometimes we bring up a quote. Or let's or talk about a critic, and I don't know if you have one, but I I do. And So I didn't know if you had anything that you wanted to read, because I, I found something that I,
1: I wanted to put... Well, I found one that kind of blew me away. It's one that I, I can't argue with. It's just... Because the critic, his name is Michael Schrago, uh writing for Rolling Stone. Okay. Um, I can't argue with what he's saying. He's just saying it about the wrong film. Okay. He called Spielberg a space-age Jean Renoir, I and mean, he puts his breathtaking technical skill at the service of his deepest feelings. Yeah, yeah, but it's 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 a, a well put thing. It just doesn't belong to go in front of this film and eat in in Spielberg's canon.
0: See, I like I found the the original Hollywood Reporter review, um, by Martin Kent, and I like it because it, I think it hits it hits both sides. It says. Uh, As director and co-producer with Kevin Kennedy, Spielberg has crafted with warmth and humor a simple fantasy that works so superbly on so many levels that it will surely attract masses of moviegoers from all demographics. At the heart of the storyline, E.T. is really my favorite Martian with a bizarre-looking but disarmingly lovable alien. However, the film goes past the myth of a marooned spaceman trying to figure out a way back home. While E.T. is being befriended, hidden, and protected... By his Earth buddies, the picture conveys a relationship story, an adventure, a mystery, and ultimately the time-worn but always timely message that no matter how different gods creatures may be, there's a common bond between the thinking ones, and because they're also capable, because they're also capable of love. Sounds sappy? Yes. But Spielberg's magic as a director to, is to take these themes and weave them into a straightforward tale so delicately that you are never sledgehammered and come to perceive screenwriter screenwriter Melissa Matheson's intent through the exquisite subtlety of this beguiling fairy tale. I don't think anything is subtle about this movie. No, not at all. And and I don't... That doesn't bother me, That, that it, it, some of the overt things that it's trying to say. But I, I, I'm hard. It's hard for me to believe
1: that somebody saw this movie when it first came out and thought that it was subtle,
0: because I think it's, I think it is kind of sledgehammered.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This is not. This is not good quality filmmaking.
0: But what do you mean by that? Like,
1: what, what I mean by that is, do you mean the storytelling? Or do you mean like, because it is, it is quality filmmaking. It looks, it's, well, it's shot okay. really well. Technically, yes. Yeah. In the things, yes. But as far as an overall product, its audience is the lowest common denominator. It's going for. It, it is really spoon-feeding you absolutely everything. It's not allowing you to do any thinking or feeling for yourself. And that's not what art should be. Yes, I mean, again, that's what we're talking about. Is We're talking about,
0: you know, film versus movies, right? Yeah. We, and, and not everything that we watch is
1: going to make you question things so obviously. Well, I don't, I don't need to question them. I just also don't need to be told how I feel every 60 seconds. Like, here's the deal. I shit on hook a lot. Because okay. Hook is just garbage. I mean, it really feels like Spielberg had something to prove in Hook. But at least in Hook, I'm allowed to make my own decisions about what's happening on screen. Whereas E.T. is going, no, 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 you must feel this way about this. Because of just th- th- that hammering score and the way, that the unsubtle way that they manipulate you and the way that they change. I mean, they really want you to feel terrible about E.T. And you should. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. sad when he's dying. Yeah. But it's just so overwrought. I mean, the stuff in that where they're trying to like defibrillate him and stuff like that. I mean, there's no like we talked about. There's no subtlety in that filmmaking at all.
0: <sighs> you see, it's and that, and you pick such an interesting scene to talk about because while I I agree in terms of the storytelling, I agree it's not it's not subtle. But I you know I appreciate that Spielberg got real EMTs and and medics to do that scene, so it doesn't like I like how it sounds. I like how it's shot. It, it no. feels like they're they had somebody come in who really needed to be worked on and the dialogue and the delivery it's all very much you know, w- yeah. this is how we would do it. Let me shoot that
1: down slightly. Okay. Would you do that with an alien? It's as that they're treating this alien like it's no, this is not I don't know, there's just so many leaps of of and gaps in logic. Sure, and uh, yes, it is a it is a family friendly sci fi. Yeah, You should yeah. be looking for all that, all the connective tissue and things like that. It was and just, again, I was super critical watching it this time.
0: No, and it's it's funny because I expected to to not enjoy it. No, yeah. because I just was like, am I really gonna? And so, I don't. I'm going to totally give you the the movie going experience. So I it was a Friday evening. Both my daughters were in bed. Melissa's at work, so I start it. Melissa gets off early, so I stop at about halfway through. Right about as the mom comes in and sees everybody in the in the bathroom
1: and E. T. and Elliot are both not looking so hot, right? Wait, do you have the so you have the twentieth anniversary Blu-ray messed with version then? Yeah. Okay, so I I I have whatever version I bought somehow because I, I bought it on a streaming service for cheap. They had the original not messed with theatrical cut. Yeah. I was pretty pleased about that. Anyway, oh. continue. So I didn't have that bathroom scene that you're talking about. Oh really? Yeah. Well, anyways,
0: so Melissa comes home and it's early. And I'm like, well, I can I can finish this tomorrow. Not a big deal. And we watch something else. I won't tell you what that is, although I could have an entire conversation about what it is that we no, watched. What did you watch? We watched the Bandersnatch Black Mirror episode. Continue. Okay. And so I, I pick. I go to pick up the next day, and um, I, I wanted to get notes done. I didn't want I didn't want that much time to go by. I hate stopping movies in the middle yeah, anyway. So it's I was the like, worst. but I kind of I kind of felt like I had to. So I go, hey, Stella, she's my four-year-old. Stella, do you mind if I turn this movie on? She goes, can I watch it with you? I'm like, sure. Because I've seen this movie before. There's something that I'm, I'm worried that she's going to see that's going to freak her out. And she's asking me questions throughout. And it's not enough that it's it's bugging me. Actually, it's kind of funny because I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, as I'm explaining the plot, it's solidifying things in my head. And she totally got everything. Yeah. And and so much so that when we got to the end of the movie, she goes, can you start it from the beginning so I can see what I missed? I said, sure, and it, it gave me a chance to sort of look, watch again, and take notes and stuff. All this to say that this really is a family film, and and for better or worse, whatever. This really was made as a family film, and and I think that stems from the storyline. I think it stems from Spielberg wanting to essentially make a movie about divorce and combining it with his sort of fascination from basically um, his close encounters sort of. Follow through, wanting to kind of continue down that path. I mean, as we're talking about this movie, I still don't know. We're not there yet, but I still don't know what the answer that I have for this movie is. Hmm. Curious. Yeah, because again, it's like, unlike Spirited Away, which I said no to, even though I know my daughter loves that movie, this one I think has more merit of being in the book over Spirited Away, in, in, in my opinion. But then, you know, when you look at the things of his that aren't in the book, that's where it starts to be like, well, (sighs) ah <sighs> yeah and not that everything in the book has to be deadly serious and not that there shouldn't be movies like this in the book but i don't i don't know so and do you have it are there any redeeming qualities of this movie are there parts of this movie that you would enjoy or anything that that you bring to the table going you know what i did like this
1: there's a yeah there's a there's a couple of i mean the, the cinematography is great i mean the way it's shot i mean it's and that's you, that's Kaminsky. Yeah. Okay. And the, who would be frequent? Long time. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's a there's a great shot I love where he's he's trying to he, Elliot is trying to track E.T. at the beginning and he's using the Reese's pieces. Yes. Right. Which again, I mean, well done Reese's pieces. And now you're uh, a household name. Well, you know about that, right? No. Oh, you don't. So it's supposed to be M and M's. They wanted to do M and
0: M's. Yeah. Oh, and M and M's would. Well, Mars Mars said no, because yeah. we don't want to associate. This with like an eight, like they thought it would actually hurt their yeah. profits, and so they went to Reese's Pieces think and they were like, "Yeah, let's do it." Yeah, and yeah, I think they made the right decision there.
1: But the the, the shot that I that I, I love is he's just it, the way it's framed as he's coming up this this hillside, and there are the three kind of rotted out trees that he passes between, and the, he's leaving the trail of the the Reese's pieces. It's shot very well. I mean, and you can see. Because it's early enough in Spielberg's career. I mean, granted, he had already made three huge films before this. I mean, you had Raiders, Jaws, and, and Close Encounters. Yeah. But you could still see him figuring out where he was going to go later on in life as a, as a filmmaker. Yeah. And, and still figuring out, this is how I want to frame things. And, uh, you know, this is what I want the style and the feel of my film to be. I mean, I'm so, I'm so let down by how unsubtle it is. That it's it, that just really overshadows a lot of the the good aspects of it. I mean, there's there's a couple of really just quick witted funny things. I love when they're all in their Halloween costumes and Michael has the fake knife through his head and ET is trying to fix that. Yeah, that that's great. Well, and I I do
0: I, and even before that, I like the uh, you are not going out as a terrorist.
1: Yeah, it's it's comical in the sense of like why would you ever do that? Yeah, because it's some super dark humor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it, it, it that is one of the few things, or one of the, I should say, one of the many things that really does date this film, and the fact that they're playing Dungeons & Dragons at the beginning, which is, I mean... I don't think it dates people, it. People still play yeah, Dungeons & Dragons, yeah. but it's, it's not, like, as big as it was, I think, then. Sure. in that sort of cult aspect, yeah. or, or however you want to phrase it. Or or rather, it's, I mean, it's. I guess it's gotten...
0: It's a, it's a, it's a it's kind of a click thing.
1: Yeah. It, it has its own sort of nerd following, just like every yeah. everything does now. Right. Yeah. But I feel like there was uh there was a stigma about it back then. Sure. It's, it's one of those things that has been like like so many things in, in nerddom and fandom has been just accepted as norm now. Which yeah. nothing wrong with it. Yeah it's not out of the norm to play dungeons and dragons but it just it, it's the fact that they're all playing it you know at the the kitchen table and stuff like that and they're making like a big evening out of it there's something and they they've done the same thing in stranger things to help, say, yeah, yeah. to help establish the fact that this is the 80s yeah. this is something very iconic from the 80s so that all I was bringing up all the, in a very roundabout way saying that i feel like that is one of the things that dates the film as well as that terrorist joke yeah one thing that i took this weird note... I don't know what I was doing with it, but like, how good is the alimony that they're able to afford that house? Well, we don't know what she does. We know she. We, works. we don't. We don't know what she does. But between her job and the alimony, how good is all that money coming in that they're able to afford that big house at the end of the block? It's kind of thing, you know what I mean. It's interesting. The
0: the, the divorce stuff is it's that's that's probably the most subtle thing actually yeah. is the divorce. I do like that early on. Elliot has this line. I, it's, it's about you know what he saw, and and Elliot has this quick line that you know Dad would believe me. Yeah. And then it just kind of gets quiet. And yeah.
1: But the, the trouble is they don't really explore that. I know, I know. Which, which is a shame, which is, lets the movie down a little bit to really help you care about these kids. Because I don't care about the kids. Really oh, really? Don't. No. Oh, wow. No, not at all. <laughs> I just, I, I, they feel, they, you know, maybe I'll backpedal on that slightly. I mean, the, Spielberg the, the, is so... The great thing about, yes, the great thing about Spielberg is the, the child performances yeah. in his films are great. I mean, even though Hook is garbage, the the performance from the two lead kids yeah. from the, from Robin Williams kids in that film yeah. it's good. Blow them out of the water. Yeah, I mean they're they're good in it. That's yeah. what he's great at is just he's got the magic touch. He's just able to elicit these incredible performances that that imply that these kids are wise beyond their years. Yeah, I gotta say the I mean, thermometer on the the light bulb was a trick I never did. Yeah, as a kid, and I'm, I watch that and go, "Damn!" Well, they they, they say that his uh, his director's chair doesn't say director or Spielberg; it says dad, which is something I love. They, because he he treats the set like family, and he really treats these kids like they're his own kids. So, I mean, there is I can't totally say that I don't care about the kids because yes, the performances are good, and they do. It, there is a real sibling rivalry dynamic between them. Yeah, what was interesting to me was the divorce stuff. Yeah, and I did read about that. I was like, okay, so where did this come from? Why did you decide to make these decisions? Why isn't it a complete nuclear family? Yeah, um, I guess Spielberg's parents did divorce, but the interesting thing is they didn't divorce when he was Elliot's age. They divorced more when he was like Michael's age, or even a little bit older. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, something that he was probably still working through at the time. Maybe I'm maybe I'm reading into it, but no, well, no. I mean, I I think you're heading down the right path. I know that's it was his
0: parents' divorce that prompted him wanting to do a movie about it. Yeah. And it was basically he had that in his back pocket that he wanted to do a movie generally about that. Yeah. And then he did close encounters and then name met Melissa Matheson and sort of basically merged the two ideas.
1: Right. Well the from what I was reading, the the original what was the, the original script called? It was like night night moves or something like that, or night night skies, excuse me. It was it was going to be he was working on And it sounded like it could have even been a more cut-and-dry sequel to Close Encounters, because that's really kind of what I want out of E.T., and that's kind of me trying to shoehorn it into a box where it doesn't really fit necessarily, because it feels like it could be, if you went that same sort of tone... As Close Encounters, you could have two very good companion pieces because at the end of Close Encounters, obviously, you have Richard Dreyfus leaving. So they take something, Mm -hmm. right? And in this, they leave something behind. Which Spielberg, sorry, Spielberg did say that was sort of intentional. He did want to tell the flip side of that. Even though he regrets the decision of of Dick Dreyfus getting on the spaceship and he says or I read that he said that as a family man he would not make that decision now because it's a very selfish decision for the married man with children to get on the ship and leave he, yeah. would, he said he wouldn't do that now which is something I hate why backpedal on that that is unless Richard Dreyfus gets on the ship why are we here that's true like there is no other way to end that film Dick Dreyfus gets on that ship that's all well, there is to it I, don't, I disagree I think
0: part of it is just the vindication of knowing that something that he was right No. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. What am I trying to say? I disagree that it couldn't it couldn't have been done any other way. Well, he's
1: he's done in his in the special edition. I don't think Dreyfus gets on the ship. Oh, I I don't, I don't think I, won. I think I think it cuts before he gets on there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I anyways, I, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I I so I should probably address why we're doing E. T. to sort of vindicate my answers to this. So. There are. There's another podcast, another great podcast. If you guys aren't listening to them, you should be. Cinemusts. Yep. Um. They did uh, an episode right around the same time as we we did our first Hitchcock episode, Strangers on a Train, not too long ago. And before that, they had done a, a Hitchcock double feature there. Uh, I believe they also did The Lady Vanishes yeah. as well, as Strangers on the Train. And so on on Twitter, I kind of go back and forth with them sometimes, and I'll respond to their their messages, and uh, they were talking about, you know, what's one reason you should or shouldn't see Strangers on the Train, and I jumped immediately into the Raymond Chandler aspect of it, because, I mean, whatever is left of his original script, that's some of the redeeming elements of, of Strangers on the Train. I yep. mentioned what, what a shame it is that his original script didn't get made and maybe it's out there in that beautiful alternate universe where Dorowski's Dune gets made and Spielberg directs Jedi instead of E.T. And that sort of sparks some backlash. They're like, wait a second, you don't like E.T.? And I went, hang on, well I haven't seen E.T. In, in a long enough while to comment on something like that. I just feel like there's more to be gained from Spielberg directing Jedi than there is from him making E.T., I, I don't know how you feel about that. But that, that, anyway, this is the, what prompted me to suggest this is one of our, our next episodes so that we could address yeah, yeah. that. Uh, well, you know, it's hard to know if Spielberg could have saved
0: Jedi from... Yeah, itself. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> who knows? I mean, Spielberg, he makes good movies, so there's a chance he could have done something with it. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. But, uh, you know, there are things about E.T. that cinematography is great i i think it's beautifully shot i love i i love that there's a lot of like what, I forget what they call them but you know perfect moment shots where the
1: sun is just right you know it's, yeah. it's beautiful sunrise sunset shots well the the best shot in the movie i'll just address it right now for me the the best shot is the end where you see et through the the grate of the walkway yeah that the, the framing of that is fantastic the problem is is that you have john williams score beating you over the face with how you're supposed to feel and that's yeah exactly i mean it is i feel like it's an emotionally manipulative
0: movie anyway right but, but it
1: doesn't have to be. You, well, it's, no, it's, sure. It's because it's playing, like I said, to that low and common denominator. We've got to... If you're watching this with the, your family, it's got to appeal to everybody in the family. It does. And, and again, so, there's no shame in that. I mean, that's why
0: this movie was the number one movie, not just of 1982, but for 11 oh, years. Oh, my
1: God. Like, it, what was it? It's it had, it had 16 weekends at number one. Six of those were consecutive uh, I I've got I've got all of it here cuz it was all interesting. Yeah. Me. 27 weekends in the top 5 and 44 weekends in the top 10. There's no other film that's done that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it held the record of the mo the highest-grossing film until Spielberg did it again yeah. with Jurassic Park. And in, and while Jurassic Park is is scarier, you yeah. know, I think it's more graphic. Again, I think it is a it's a movie that appeals to all levels. Yeah. Another movie where we got great performances out of the younger actors. You know, I just think you look at Jurassic Park, I think it's got a more... And Jurassic Park has its flaws, too, things that don't necessarily make a lot of sense. There are just And maybe it's, it's scientifically, and you just have to yeah. make that leap. I mean, these are both movies in which, one, we brought dinosaurs back to life, and then the other, an alien comes down and lives on Earth. So there are leaps being made.
1: Yeah, you've got to suspend, you know, your disbelief yes. either way. Um, the The reason I bring up, you know, that alternate universe where he makes... This, in, in or he makes Jedi instead of this, is also, for me, there's a much more interesting film that he didn't make, is in that Night Skies movie, that sci-fi horror film that he wanted to do, uh, that ended up being cannibalized, and parts of it ended up in this, and parts of it ended up in Poltergeist. Yeah. It it sounded like a much more interesting film. It sounded like it was going to continue down that path that he had started with Close Encounters, as I said, becoming maybe more of a direct sequel. And that, that to me, is far more interesting than this family-friendly, yummy, good-feeling popcorn garbage. And for me, people say the death of that wave of, art house cinema that was becoming mainstream so you have you know the fall of the studios in the in the like mid 60s yeah, yeah, yeah and then you have you know easy rider beginning this wave of well the young filmmakers fresh out of ucla or you know from the other coast from new york they're coming in and now they're making interesting films we're breaking down the studio system where we're making films about real human and not that the studios didn't make films about real human issues, but we're yeah. going to explore some things that previously we couldn't. We're going to say the hell with the censors and we're going to make the kind of films that we want to see. Yeah, And people blame, I think, Jaws. It's a combination of Jaws and Star Wars that they blame for the end of that yeah. sort of beautiful era. For me, it's E.T. E.T. was like the death knell of interesting cinema. I think I think, I think maybe
0: a way I would phrase it was that Jaws and, and, and uh, Star Wars start it. And E.T.'s where it's like... But you still yeah. have, you still have those, No, that's what I mean. You that's still have I Raging started. Yeah, 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 you still have
1: Raging Bull. And, I mean, 79 was a fantastic year for cinema as well. Uh, that, that, that Right at the end, there's 79, 80, leading into 81. And then you had stuff like... Some of the best cult sci-fi and horror films are being made. You have Alien, yep. right? Mm-hmm. You have Blade, Blade Runner. Runners. You have The Thing. And both Blade Runner and The Thing, I think, have come out on top... In more recent years, because I think they're the films that when we talk about films, we probably talk about them before we talk about E.T. But at the time, (sighs) at the time, nobody wanted those anymore. So both of those films failed miserably and And nobody went and saw them because now that E.T. is out. This is what oh, this is the new thing. This is what we want. We want that happy, warm blanket of good feeling and people telling us how we're supposed to feel. I agree and disagree. I agree with what you just said about the
0: E.T. stuff. And, and and maybe it came out on top at the time when it regards to, to the thing and and Blade Runner I think all of those movies have, have stood the test of time and that's why we, st- we still talk about all of them yeah I think it depends on who you're talking to and yes you're right I think I think the people who love Blade Runner probably don't love ET as much and the people who love ET probably don't get Blade Runner
1: yeah you know I, I and I think I'm not saying I'm smarter than them I'm I only think,
0: saying that I'm smarter than them there you go um but no it's it's I keep circling back to what you've said, which is this movie was made for the masses, yeah. it really was,
1: and well, shit. I mean, the the all of all the awards that it took home and all the awards that it lost. The one that's most interesting to me is when you talk about it being made for the masses. Spielberg won a UN Peace Prize for this film. Oh yeah, he got. He was invited to the White House. Yeah, he had a screening with with the Reagans. He had. A, I guess they had a screening at Buckingham Palace as well, in which yes. Lady Di supposedly was in tears afterward. Yeah, and again. It, and it's not like what what, what was it what i want to go back to 19 i oh, wish this is one of the things i really wish i want to go back in time and see the godfather originally like yeah. in that that the first time that the lights come come down and you hear bonasera say i believe in america like i want that feeling yeah. i want that feeling of seeing that for the first time in 1972 in the same way that i kind of in a more sort of scientific sort of curious studying of of the culture at the time i want to go back in time and see this film when it came out i, I want to know what that feeling was and why people gravitated to it and what the I, hell it spent 44 I, weeks in the top 10 because i
0: think i don't think anything like this around that time was really being made or, no. or or as as highly highly regarded no i mean disney is not what disney is now disney wouldn't be that again until little mermaid in 89 yeah. yeah. it just wouldn't it wouldn't get there and so in terms of Family-friendly movies that aren't just schlock, like pure, just utter like Beethoven kind of movies, right? Where it's so it's so feel good that it makes you sick, right? That this movie probably seemed like a breath of fresh air, and you know, it's it's Spielberg who has the track record. It's for everybody, so there's that, you know. No, yeah. I think what it was was that it it appealed. Yes, it appealed to the masses, but I don't think. An E.T. was out there. I think e- E.T. I mean, probably people who were even interested in science fiction movies, screw the family stuff. Like they were just probably came to see yeah. see it because of that. Yeah. It hit. It it ticks so many of the check marks. It's insane. Yeah. And I think you can't you can't underplay that. And it's tough because. You know, right now, it's, it's comic book movies, and maybe 30 years from now, people will go, well, "Why? why was that such a thing? Yeah. And, and, well, I hope so. I'm, even, more, even I'm already, right now I'm already saying
1: why is that such a thing, but...
0: But, it, I mean, you know, it, it, it's got action, yeah. you know? It, 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 it's trying to make a bigger statement at large. It's got hundred. I mean, hundreds, I don't think, is even an understatement anymore, of, of
1: stars in, yeah. now in the MCU. Yeah. I mean, it's trying to hit those high emotional moments. I think Infinity War kind of got there, but, again, this is... One of those franchises that wants to have its cake and eat it too. Yeah, in the sense that yeah, we killed them all, but we're gonna bring them all back in six months. So don't worry about it. I mean, I, in terms of in terms of E. T.,
0: there were actually moments where I got I was I got emotional from it. Yeah. And, I think the cute parts are cute. They're meant for people like my my four year old. No. You know all the stuff with E. T. In it with the the ghost thing on Halloween. You know Stella loved that. Anything early on with the interaction with the kids. It's E.T. in, in the dress.
1: Yeah. And, and how do we know E.T. is a boy? That's an excellent question.
0: Which I don't I don't get, because it was that funny is, to put him in the ladies' clothes. I was that like, is
1: one thing I wrote down, is like, don't try to assuage sort of gender norms with E.T. Just let him be who he wants to be. If he wants to wear that dress, let him wear it. There was something that I read about, you know, th- what, what
0: somebody liked about the movie was that E.T. was pretty much uh, gender neutral. Yeah. I was like, no, that's not true. He, E.T. is very much regarded as a male. Because yeah. it's funny when he wears the dress. Yeah. So no, I, d- I didn't... I don't know. I think that's that's weird. No. Yeah.
1: Just... I do... Well, and uh, again, when I talk about missed opportunities, you know, as far as, like, what that original Night Skies could be, I, I do think there's a... I want to spend more time with the aliens. Because I don't feel like I get enough time to care about them. I'm just supposed to care about him because he got left behind. And I okay. Think that's, but I think that's it. I, I, I This is not... Because even... Even Close Encounters wasn't about the aliens. No, the Close Encounters is about Richard Dreyfuss and um, the actress whose name I can't remember who the, the loses the kid. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I'm not I'm not fighting this tooth and nail. Like I want I want to enjoy this film. I mean, is there anything more iconic in American cinema than? The boy on the bike in front of the moon. I mean, Spielberg used it. As, yeah, yeah, as the the company logo. Okay, sorry. One other. Na- I got. And the this ouch there. and the ET phone home. There is. Yeah, it's so chock full. Right here. That is a great moment, and I want. I want that moment. I want to feel that moment again. But but John Williams is telling me this is how you're supposed to feel about this moment. Yeah. Not, no. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the same. It's the same feeling that I know you get when you watched Manchester by the Sea. You don't want to be told how to feel yeah. in the cop shop. Uh, yeah. But the score is like that big rising kind of thing. It's yeah. it's the same. No, I, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you.
0: What? Sorry, one. I had to bring this nitpick up before we, we wrap up. I, I, of course, buy that he can fly, that the bike is flies. Yeah. Right? E.T. does his thing and they levitate. I get it. I, I like it a lot. I think it's great. Why is he pedaling? Yeah, that's a very excellent question. There's got to be a moment where you realize, oh, I'm flying. Pedaling isn't going to make me go faster. No. I am just flying now. Yeah. And I remember, I seriously, I watched it and I go, I don't like this. <laughs> and there are things <laughs> like that yeah. that drew me out. Like, initially, when we get the initial encounter with E.T., and I remember the swings move and the trash cans knocked down. But
1: isn't he nowhere near those things? Yeah. Like, he runs kind of into the... And that's a shame because there's great I love the way that shot is framed I the do house too. and the shed and then the kind of the negative space in between it with the moon above that is great framing. I just didn't understand.
0: And there and there are things even even the obvious things there are things I like. I like that and I when I read it too and it kind of it kind of confirmed that I was on the right track that everything was shot really really low yeah. from like a child's
1: perspective Right. and I not love seeing, not seeing yes. Yeah, not seeing the adults face that yeah. I love. I really do I, the, like that. It's a Spielberg makes made smart choices. Yes. And
0: I think and that's I think that's I think his camera work, right, the, you know, the effects, the cinematography, all that it's really well done. Yeah. I do
1: think the story gets muddled and doesn't know what it wants to be uh well i i do think before we wrap up we should address the elephant in the room when we talk about the day the day and age that we're in or even before that i mean so it was the 20th anniversary Mm -hmm. i mean the film is now 30 what 37 years old yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. when it comes to manipulating things guns versus walkie-talkies at how do we feel about that how do we I, i i think it's ridiculous there comes there's a there's a level for me and this is the i mean obviously the bigger offender is star wars and of course yes. we'll get to that when we do that but when you make something and you put it out there into the world is it still yours and do you have the right to go back and fiddle with these things that we're used to seeing now a, an alternative cut is one thing yeah but going in and digitally enhancing or changing things now i i know spielberg's reason for doing it he felt that it was wrong to be like threatening the kid no no child is really has a gun pointed at them and that that was my thing is again it, it would have been one
0: thing yeah if like the kids are riding their bikes and they had guns drawn on the kids
1: yeah i mean they've got shotguns out yes they do no they do but, but they're I, not pointing them at the kids yes
0: and i think also in the back of everyone's mind is there's a fucking alien yeah like and 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 while the kids know that it's not going to harm them nobody else does yeah I don't think it was a ridiculous image to have the, those cops holding the shotguns. If, like, they would have pointed them, I would have said, well, just cut that little bit out or yeah, whatever. That's sure, that's
1: your choice. So but. That, that's the smallest nitpick. The biggest offender is it sounds like so if you watched that version, then the version that you watched had CG, E T all the way through it. No, there were still – there were parts that were CG that you could tell. But, but the majority of the eyes especially, I think the eyes are CG all the way through because they didn't like how they could m- manipulate the face oh, so I- much. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I did I cuz I actually sat and I I watched a lot. There's like a huge like 8-minute comparison of all the changes that they made. Mm-hmm. And it's really just I mean, when we're talking about a film that's already not subtle, it's just to be able to be pulled out by that. Yeah. You know, it's it's really terribly obvious what has been changed and I I don't know. It's it's just a debate that's been raging I think ever since Lucas did the special editions in ninety seven. Like yeah. how how far can you go, and you know where do, where are you allowed to say okay, this is my right to do this, or where is this is not my right to do this. You know what I mean? Because yeah. yes, you made it; it's your film, but you don't own it anymore. You put it out there into the world for all of us, right? And this is this is what we're used to. This is what we this is what we expect, and this is what we want when we watch this film. I don't know. It's it's an odd debate, and probably one that we'll we'll delve deeper into when we do Star Wars, because <laughs> I have some major. Issues with that, obviously. Yeah. I don't know. I just wanted to know how you felt about it, and is it?
0: Yeah, I pretty much agree with yeah. what you said. I mean, I I think that if you if you wrote and directed something and you really were the one behind it, I do think it's it's yours to do with as you will. But I think I think you have to know that the way it's been seen is how people are going to remember it, and yeah. you just have to expect now. You I mean, you have to expect a backlash. I mean, if you're going to really change things decades later you have a good reason for it
1: and own up to it yeah this is this is the reason why I, I respect somebody like ridley scott and not spielberg and lucas is because there are five now there are now five versions of blade runner it well four if you don't count the work print but you can you can pick and choose what you want yeah they've always made sure that when they release it you get every version yeah which has not happened with with et and star wars sure like, I want to be... A, yes, That's I think it's okay. Yeah, if you want to do your digitally enhanced cut and you want to change the things that you couldn't do, you couldn't physically do in the 80s, which is fine. You were just bound by the limitations of the time. I think yeah. you need to accept that. But if you're going to do that, you need to also offer the original as well. I, I sh, as the consumer, should have the right to choose. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Just a, just food for thought, maybe. So, Ian, do you think this movie should be in the book? It's a struggle. It's so iconic. Yeah. Everybody should see it once. Yeah. as It should be in the book. Everybody should see this movie once before they die. Right? Yeah. But, I don't know, I really want Munich in there. And if E.T.'s got to go to make room for Munich, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. It's not going to hurt my feelings. And I, I think that's kind of where I am, too,
0: is is I, I do think it's a movie that you should see before you die. And, and, and not to say anything,
1: like, if you don't have kids, but, like, watching it with my daughter, I was like, yeah, this is... And this is the first time that she saw it. This is the first time you got to watch it. So you have, now you have that special connection. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm sure that when Sophia gets older, we'll probably watch it
0: too. Do you think it's going to become a staple in the St. John household? Hard to say. Hard to say. Um, I think as as Stella gets older, because she's, you know, she's seen plenty of the Disney animated movies, but she's also seen a few. She actually, she actually is a big, she likes the Marvel movies. She always, she actually, she always, she always asked me. She goes, "Can we watch Wonder Woman?" Because that's what she wants to put on Wonder Woman. No. It's like, well, we can't watch it all the time, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. We'll definitely watch it again, probably a few years from now when Sophia gets old enough to to understand it. I'm in. I think I'm in the same boat as you, which is I do think you should watch this movie. But if
1: it means that I could take it out and put in Catch Me If You Can, I would do that. No. You wouldn't take out any other Spielberg movie to fit Catch Me If You Can in there to leave E.T. also. Now I haven't seen the color purple. Oh, you haven't? No, I've seen it once, and it's 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 powerful. I mean, I mean, it, it definitely was. I, I think that's the only one on the list of his stuff that's in the book that I haven't seen is *Color Purple*. It,
0: it, it was clearly, in terms of in terms of uh, seriousness and and tone, it was his *Schindler's List* before he did
1: *Schindler's List*. Like, right? It was no, that it was his very, first yes. foray into. Like, it was a big gamble. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but no, no, I, I think Lincoln is an odd choice. Uh, I think the performance is great, but I think the movie in itself is it's it's okay. Yeah, I, you know,
1: but I have no problem with it being in there. Well, and that's the other thing I was thinking. Maybe maybe Lincoln comes out, Munich goes in, and then ET can stay. So so clearly where we're at
0: is that Spielberg is a good director. He's done a lot of good stuff. Some of these you could easily take out. Some of them harder. We have movies we like to put in,
1: even though I don't. This is, and this is the thing. This is the the moral struggle. Even though I don't like, I think I don't think it'll be. I don't think it's lost on anybody that I don't like this movie. But at the same time, you can't fight its place in history. Yeah. And I think, too, I think the last thing I'll say is, had I watched this
0: when I was a young kid and it be- and it became something like that, I might have more fond memories. But honestly, the first time I watched this was, was by myself when I was in high school. I didn't watch it with my family. It was just a movie. I I was starting to get into film history, and I was like, I need to see E.T., watch it by myself. And I probably enjoyed it, but I don't have an extra connection to it, Yeah, you know? So, in that way, it doesn't register with me, as I'm sure people who are listening have that connection. Like, I saw it when I was six, and it became my favorite movie, and I'm sure
1: people are so angry with us. Yeah, but that's that's not what I want to hear. Like you know, I I'm the just nostalgic thing, you take the nostalgia away. I want to know why you think this is a really good movie. But
0: I think if something is so nostalgic like that, yeah.
1: you're not going to be able to separate the two.
0: Mm. Like yeah, I don't I don't have a good example off the top of my head, but I think if you saw something early enough and you enjoyed it early enough, it will just be something that you like until the end of time. Yeah. But well, anyways, that's what we think about ET and Spielberg. We really, I hope this generated some some conversation and some some opinions about what you think about E.T., and we honestly would love to hear them, so please find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Let us know what you think about E.T., and if you think we're right or wrong, and where your thoughts lie on this movie. Yeah, Please listen to us on Google Play and Spotify and on iTunes. Like us, subscribe, leave comments, all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm actually really eager to hear what people say no about this one. No. Until next time, I'm Adam. And I'm Ian. And we will see you next week.